What's up, everybody? It's Kyle Coleman, and you're listening to the Against All Average Podcast, the show where entrepreneurs and everyday people come to learn the skills and mindset to lead exceptional lives. Here we go. Episode 54, getting it rolling one week before Christmas, one week before Santa comes. Oh, my goodness. This is exciting. Ah. I need to go get some milk and cookies, I think. The big man's hungry this year. COVID's taken it out of him. Like, he has to deal with all these logistical issues of all these toy parts. Santa coming down the chimney is going to be hungry. So I'm going to hook him up with some chocolate chip cookies, maybe a little bit of milk. He does like whole milk. If anybody out there is wondering if you can, like, slip in some slim milk or 1% for Santa Claus, no. Old St. Nick doesn't mess around with that. He wants that whole milk all day long. All right. I'm coming to you on Sunday. What's the date today? Sunday, December 13th. Theoretically, we have some uh, COVID vaccines coming out, uh, rolling out of Michigan. I hope they make it out of Michigan and start uh, helping different people. I don't know all the listeners out there, how excited you are about the vaccine. If you're scared about the vaccine, if you're against vaccines, I, I, I don't know, but, uh, if a majority of people get some vaccines, uh, hopefully it'll help and get things back rolling the way they were. Uh, as we know, 2020 has been an interesting year for everyone. And that's why I created this podcast to help you get through all this nonsense. And we have an amazing guest today to help you as well. An expert on recruiting, selling, hopping on the phone, efficiency, and so many other different things. So I can't wait to give him his introduction after I get through a quick sponsor plug. When you need all things digital, look in their best, call our friends at Fair and Event. Our friends will give you the against all average treatment with an awesome new website, ticketing, custom graphics, and a full line of printing services. Fair and event, the trusted partner of the against all average podcast. Oh yeah. Episode 53, season three. I just, all I'm doing in season three, folks, all I'm doing is only talking to people I want to talk to. It is as simple as that. I'm going to bring you against all average people that I want to talk to. Sometimes people will uh, slip into the old Facebook DM. They want to be on the show. I kind of check out what they're doing. And I'm like, I don't know if I could stand talking to you for an hour. I just, I don't know if I have that patience uh, built into me. So uh, I have to uh, really kind of think through. I'm only doing one podcast a week. And my goal is to have a genuine conversation with someone who lives an against all average lifestyle, has something that they want to teach, are entertaining and have a whole lot of knowledge that can help you. Maybe if you're changing jobs, maybe if you, you know, I, I hate to say it, maybe your, your company's not doing so well and you get laid off or you're an entrepreneur and your restaurant had to shut down. Hopefully we can bring you some, some different topics and some different people who have been there, done that. They've gone through the trenches of, of different uh, types of employment to help you out. So without further ado, I'm bringing on another interesting 
young man? Do I, do I say young man? Uh, a, I don't I don't know what we call this guy. This is this guy's a ball of energy. He just goes and goes and goes each and every day. Great coach, amazing person. Our guest today was born in Riverside, California, and moved to Hillsboro when he was very young. He played every sport he could think of growing up and absolutely loved it. But once a lacrosse stick hit his hand. He never looked back. He never wanted to do anything else in his life's path has continued going the lacrosse lifestyle way. Since 2018, he's been the offensive coordinator and recruiting coordinator at Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, while he is also pursuing a master's in education. We've played together, coached together, and drank a beer or two together. Please welcome to the show the one and only Ryan Stowe. Thanks, Kyle. You know, glad to be here. Uh, you know, I've been following you along a little bit since you you started the podcast, and you know, glad I can make my my appearance on it. It's actually the first one I've been on, so I hope it goes well, and uh, maybe doing some more in the future. That'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just told Ryan, it's like, no, it's just a conversation. You know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll move you in different ways, and he's like, well, I don't want to I don't want to talk over you. You know, he's always worried about the other person, and I was like, buddy, you're the guest. I'm the one talking over you. So uh, we hope that the listeners have a good time with this. Ryan and I have, I don't know how many hours we've spent talking about lacrosse and life and and everything from bottom to top. So this is nothing new for us. uh, So it should be a good one. Ryan, I want the listeners to know a little bit about you. Think back to the earliest time that you can remember growing up in in elementary school, middle school. Like, what was it like? And feel free to stop and tell stories and do it your own way. Uh, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So like you said, my little introduction there, um, moved up to California, don't don't really remember, or moved up from California, don't really remember that time. Um, You know, we were about a year old, so. Uh, most of my memories are here in Hillsboro. Um, we moved once when I was a kid from from one side of town to the other. Uh, ended up in Hillsboro School District over here by Glencoe High School. Um, you know, kind of went through all of that. Um, you know, Patterson, Evergreen Middle School, Glencoe High School. So that was kind of my little path here um, in terms of education. Um, never was really an outstanding student, you know, right around that, that 3-0 mark. Um, sports were more where I, I spent my time, uh, you know, playing t-ball in kindergarten, playing little kids soccer, um, and then, you know, playing football, basketball, baseball, probably through, through at least seventh grade. And then, you know, picking up a lacrosse stick at that point. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the where most of my memories are. Um, one thing that I, it always kind of stuck out to me was, was coaching. It didn't really matter if we were, um, you know, watching a basketball game as a family, you know, back in the jailblazer era or anything like that, or, uh, you know, watching football or, or stuff like that. Um, coaching is something that I always kind of really wanted to be involved in. Um, you know, one of the things that really sticks out in my mind is when I was in high school, uh, my younger brother is about three, three grade levels behind me um, when we were going through school. And so we actually didn't have a coach that year for the seventh and eighth grade program. Um, so my dad stepped in and was like, I'll be the parent that stands there in case somebody gets hurt. And so me and my buddies would come to, come down from the, uh, you know, the high school team and help teach the youth kids and that kind of the thing. Um, and that's kind of really where I caught the, the coaching bug um, for sure. Um, you know, went through Glencoe and then on to Aurora University where I graduated from with a business administration degree. Um, and then just kind of kept everything rolling from there. Um, I even ended up ended up coaching a, uh, a high school 
um, freshman team my, my final year in college out in Chicago. Um, so it was something I really enjoyed. Um, and I came back here, met, met you, and, uh, you know, things are kind of the rest is history at that point. Yeah, so, so one thing that I didn't include in the introduction is I was the head coach at Glencoe from 15 to 18. Um, so four seasons there, and Ryan was with me for three of them, I believe. Uh, I think we only finished up with two. We were getting ready for three, and then uh, and then I, I I left you, and I went and joined uh, Westminster College. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I coached I coached one more season without Ryan, and I was like, ah, oh, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> we had oh, a yeah. good time, pretty good time. Those two years were a lot of fun. Um, definitely learned a lot. Um, you know, we and we were coaching year round together at that point too. So, um, you yeah, know, was so Ryan was coaching coaching with me at Glencoe. Um, you know, one of the things that always sticks out kind of what you did is you always took on your little special projects that you wanted to do, like um, training youth coaches, for example, and creating curriculum for youth coaches um, and, and just kind of thinking outside the box, you know, how do we get our 14 players? We usually rotated maybe 14 or 15 players. And like, how can we make that those 14 or 15 guys understand the game, play together well, understand the culture. Um, and that's one thing that really stuck out in those couple of years is how we work together uh, to kind of build that culture. Can you talk a little bit about your arrival to Westminster College in Pennsylvania? What was the culture like when you arrived and what are you guys trying to do? And please, if you have any specifics that you really love, please dive into them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I showing up to Westminster was, was probably a, a uh, crazy time in my life, for sure. Um, I had been employed here in Hillsborough. I was, I was working, I was coaching high school lacrosse on, on the varsity team with you. I was working at uh, a, a local company called Flash Timing, where I was doing some business management work, um, you know, helping them kind of just run the day-to-day -day operations. Um, they, they create track and field equipment, great company. Um, so definitely a lot of fun there. Um, and I was at, I actually ended up getting sh shoulder surgery, um, about three weeks before I, I drove cross country. To, oh, that's uh, right. Um, so, you know, I ended up, you know, kind of getting the first car that was in my name. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had shoulder surgery, packed up my room and off I went. So, um, you know, that was definitely a little bit of a crazy time. Um, but you know, I, I had a really good support system just because, you know, my, my obviously number one, my family was like, you can't pass up this opportunity. You've always wanted to coach in college um, and, and get a master's degree. So I, I definitely had an opportunity to do that here. Um, and then Coach Brown, who is our head coach, Travis Brown at, at Westminster College, uh, him and I play together at Aurora University. Um, we've known each other for a really long time at this point. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really want to pass up an opportunity to go coach with a longtime friend of mine. So that, that was good as well. Um, but, you know, I, I showed up in the spring semester. So, um, the coaching change happened right right after Thanksgiving, where Coach Brown be, got promoted from assistant to head coach, um, and and it was the fourth year of the program at the time. So we showed up in the spring, and uh, you know I kind of just had to hit the ground running. I didn't really have a whole lot of choice in, in the matter to uh, kind of you know leave the training wheels on, so to speak. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I showed up, and and two weeks later practice started. You know right after Martin Luther King Day, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we kind of got thrown into the fire a little bit there. You know, Travis's first time as a head coach, my first time coaching in college as well. Um, so the culture at the time, um, you know, it was 
it's solid. It would, you know, we had a really good base to start from for, for the two of us at the start of our time together there. Um, but you know, it, it just, they were together, but we had to teach them lacrosse IQ still, you know, it was a new program. We had, we had one group of seniors and, and, you know, we had one group of juniors, we had one of every class on the roster. Um, but it was a lot of guys that had never, you know, they, they'd never been to a conference tournament. So a lot of it was trying to instill winning culture, getting them to compete in practice, compete in the weight room, that kind of things, compete with themselves, compete with each other. That, that's really what we were going for. Um, so that first year, we spent a lot of time um, really working on on the little things, getting competitive at practice. It's okay to you know go at each other hard when we're at practice here. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. So the games are easier. Um, so we kind of worked on you know sharing the ball. It's not a one man team, that kind of thing. Um, and I, want to, and I want to stop you there, Ryan. Can you tell the listeners that are not necessarily sports nerds what do you mean by what do you mean by lacrosse IQ? It's something you and I talk about so often, and as as it is so important in our sport because it is so multidimensional. But specifically, what do you mean by lacrosse IQ? Uh, just like a business, how a business exec is trying to manipulate their sales team or manipulate or understand what the market factors are. It, it's about a player looking around at their environment, understanding what the other, what the defense is trying to do to them and then finding where the opening is. So it is kind of, you know, a three-part process, being able to survey the field, um, understand what you're seeing and then being able to act on what you saw. Um, so that is really what we're trying to do. Unfortunately, you know, we're trying to do all three of those things within you know, a half a second, you know, because the game's constantly moving. It's a fast-paced game, picture hockey, basketball, football kind of combined, and, and, and that's kind of where you're at. Those things happen in a split second. Um, so that's kind of what we were working on. Um, yes, yeah, and, kind of and now knowing what lacrosse IQ means, what are the different ways you're working with your players, not just on field, but off as well to, to get that IQ as high as possible? Because this, in my opinion, the smarter you are as a player, the faster you can read and then you're just reacting, 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 and it becomes second nature. So what are some of those training methodologies that you're using to get those players up to speed when you have a relatively new program, you have new kids, you have some kids that haven't played much at all, and then you have some that have played some good coaching, some bad coaching. What are these different modalities that you put in place to get those players uh, as, as smart, so to speak, as high of lacrosse IQ as possible? Uh, yes, yeah, so we, we really focused on some small-sided drills. So normally when you were playing a, a full game, um, there's six offensive guys and six defensive guys on the field. Um, so seven if you want to include the goalie. Um, so uh, when you're playing, you know, we, we did a lot of small-sided drills to try and uh, break the field in half, so to speak, um, right down the middle of the field. So there's a left and a right side. So, you know, hey, when you guys dodge from this spot here, you need to be keying in on on that guy, Dodge being, you know, carry the ball towards the cage aggressively, think of a point guard going to the rack in basketball. Um, you know, wh- who is going to come to help you? You know, if you beat your guy, somebody on the defense has to come help. So, you know, understanding where that's coming from, understanding where, um, you know, your guys want to score from. You know, a lot of it is getting to know your teammates, and that's something that we focused on as well. Uh, but so when in breaking that into the big game, you know, it's really just kind of pointing out, Hey, this is a this is a a clue so that you can see what is happening on the field. Um, we do play with a shot clock as well. Um, so similar to basketball, we do have about sixty seconds with the ball in our offensive end to create the best shot possible. 
Um, so, you know, sometimes you're going to have to end up settling for poor shots, but, you know, it's understanding when it's okay for, for what type of shots as well. Um, you know, just being able to value the possession. It, it's a lot like how a salesman might have, might ask to record just there when they sit down with a meeting uh, with a new client, just to, you know, do some old feedback on themselves and listen to it when they get back to the office or sitting down doing a role playing with their manager um, just to, you know, brush up on t- techniques and that kind of stuff. We do the same thing. Uh, but we incorporate film from Huddle as well. Um, all the boys on the team have a a Huddle account that they are able to dial up any practice or game that we play. Um, so we do. And I like what I like what you just said there. And I want just to just to stop you. Like great salespeople, they often record the audio of their phone call. Right? You guys do the same thing with practice film. You do the same thing with game film to record and see what you're actually doing. A lot of times you think you sound a certain way. A lot of times you think that you sell really well and you're just on it and it's fluid or lacrosse wise. I'm not making mistakes, coach. Exactly. Making mistakes. Right. And then film doesn't lie. Right. Or the audio recording of your sales conversation doesn't lie. So that's another, uh, another way that uh, Ryan's use Ryan and, uh, Coach Brown, is that correct? Yeah. Coach Brown is, is using film. It's 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 making sure that your players are held accountable for their actions. And the only way for them truly to understand it, and so many people learn so many different ways, is if I see myself screwing up, I'm like, oh my goodness, like that's embarrassing. I can correct it. But like when you're actually playing, we all know when we have a stick in our hands or we have a basketball in our hands, it doesn't look the same. My level of vision and a camera's level of vision is completely different. Same with a coach on the sideline. They are only looking at it flat. They're looking at it from the eyes of of five foot 10, of six feet, where the camera angles 30 or 40 feet. And it's often frustrating to watch the film because it's so easy to see from 40 feet but it's really hard to understand the placement when you're looking at it through your helmet and the game's going fast and and all those different things. So uh, film is film is one of the things that you just, I personally can't get enough of as a coach to analyze. I don't show the players everything, but just for my understanding, how can we reteach this in a way that they could maintain better spacing that they could read the defense better on man up all those different things that when it comes down to a one goal game, you screw up on one of those things. That's the one, one goal. And you either go home smiling or crying. Right. So I think that's, that's a a great modality to use. For sure. And and I mean, I use it for my own own review too. Um, So during games, one of my responsibilities is subbing players on and on. It's on the fly, much like hockey. And uh, you know, occasionally I, I make mistakes too. Um, so, you know, it, sometimes I have too many guys on the field or I don't get enough guys out on the field. Um, so when we do the subbing practice it, it, or ride clear is what we call it at practice. Um, you know, I, I look at that on film. I look at our game, our subbing on film too, because, you know, at, at with, with the two of us on, on the sideline, you know, one of us is watching the game. I'm trying to get guys on and off the field and, and then getting prepared for, um, you know, hey, telling them the offensive guys going out on the next run. It's like, hey, man, we're going to run this set. This is what we saw on that last set that we liked. We're going to try and go back to this. 
or, or getting the next D midi crew ready. Like, Hey, make sure you get the long pull on their best midfielder. Um, you know, for those that aren't used to lacrosse, the long pull is a six foot metal stick, a little bit harder to, uh, to dodge on or, or go to the rack against, against a six foot metal stick, than a three foot metal stick. Um, but you know, so it's that kind of thing as well. So it's definitely adds a little bit of uh, excitement. I I'm exhausted after, after a game, I can tell you that. Um, you know, it's almost like you, it's not, it's not the same exhaustion as playing. It's more of a, a mental, uh, fatigue at the end of a game, but, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it at all. So, um, pretty exciting. Yeah. It's funny. You, you've kind of lived the life of following passion for sure at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, salaries go, go ahead. Uh, just just to the benefit and the doubt uh, or the the detriment of, of following the the passion thing you know it's definitely um, been an interesting ride uh, but I wouldn't change it at all yeah it's it's a tough one you know division are you guys division two or division three we are we are division three so when we're going through our recruiting process um, we are not able to offer an athletic scholarship um, there's some other minor details in there like uh, where we only have 16 fall practices or or some stuff like that. Um, but, but mainly the big difference is recruiting. We are just not providing a athletic scholarship. And there's ability to, to work with families with all sorts of different scholarship opportunities and a combination of this, this, and this, and academic scholarships and all sorts of different ways, um, to get these kids going. But how you came in three years ago ish. Yep. You're the recruiting coordinator. You've never way, but <laughs> didn't, didn't start off that way, you know, with that with that title. But uh, you know, kind of as we progressed, it, it's helped out a lot, for sure. And how? What did you set up? What does your system look like? What does your day to day look like? Because for a program that is new, only four years young you've got to start getting some talent in there if you want to make waves. For sure. Um, so we, this is year six now. This coming spring is year six. Obviously, year five got cut short due to COVID. Um, that, that's a crazy story I, I'd be happy to share, you know, just kind of with the yeah, world. We'll go into that one next for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one, thing's, one, one big thing that I, you do is, especially during a, a regular year, um, is you're going out on, on the summer recruiting. Um, so obviously coach Brown had been doing that prior to my arrival. So we already had kind of a packet uh, of guys in our recruiting database. We have a database database. that's much like uh, rapid reach or, or some other kind of marketing tool that you have a, a CRM, if you will. Um, so that way we, we have something very similar as front rush. It's kind of made specifically for athletics, um, which makes it really easy. So, you know, we have the, I'll just kind of running through what coach Brown and I do for our process. Um, so we go out, we recruit, you know, you circle the guys' names that you like. Um, and in these packets they give you, they have all their contact information. Sometimes they add things like GPAs or test scores, um, that kind of a thing, or a major the kid is specifically looking for, just depending on the event. Not every event has those, but most of the time you get player name, position, phone number, um, email, and maybe a GPA. Um, and so you kind of circle the guys that fit your admissions criteria. Because, uh, you know, obviously that's going to have a lot to do with it. Since we are a D3 school, I got to be able to give them a good academic scholarship um, so that they are able to afford to come to Westminster um, and be a part of the program and all that. Um, it's very competitive with those D2 athletic offers. Um, you know, we, we do go up against some D2s in recruiting. Um, but so it, it's definitely, you know, at that and then at that point, it's reaching out, um, getting on the phone and dialing. It's a lot of things that, that I learned from you. 
um, you know, working through Awestruck is reaching out, you know, as a club program, we were trying to recruit kids to our trials. So we had the best team possible. I, I'm doing the same thing now. It's just, there's not a tryout setting. You know, I, I'm watching them try out going to the club game. Um, so that, that's kind of there. And then you put them into, you know, hey, these are, we have a 2021 pool, for example. Um, and that, so that's every 2021 graduate, high school graduate. Um, and then we reach out to them, you know, whether it's sending an email or sending a, a text message or getting on the phone and calling them, that kind of a thing. Um, once a, a, a potential student athlete responds favorably, we put them in what we call the 2021 A bucket. And so it's just kind of, it's just like a business funnel. Um, you know, you put all the guys that you're interested in at the top, you reach out to them, you see where they're at, see if, you're, if your needs match up with their wants and, and kind of just filter them down the funnel, get them on campus for a visit, um and, and then just you 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 know you go through there you create a relationship with their parents and the player um and, and try and get them the best deal possible to come to your school what's your technique sometimes you got the sleazy used car salesman sometimes you got the super laid back car salesman like i i just anytime i think of sales i think of car sales used yeah. car sales new car sales etc like what what do you believe is most effective other than being a genuine human being and taking genuine interest in them, in their parents, in their story? What have you found to be the secret sauce or, or something where you just feel good about this certain process? Um, it, the number one thing is definitely transparency. You know, I, I'm going to be tra- I want to be transparent with them from the beginning. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, I want them to like our campus, you know, I, I answer any question that they, they can come up with, you know, and that, and part of that is just being prepared, understanding a little bit about the family, where they come from, what their lifestyle kind of is. Um, and then just kind of knowing what kind of questions you, you expect them to ask on campus. So number one is, is transparency. I guess number two is being prepared, you know, learning as much as you can before they do get on campus and you start doing that face-to-face visit. Um, as we all know, conversations via text or on the phone um, can be a little bit different than, than an in, in-person visit. Um, have, doing that in-person visit with masks uh, during COVID it is definitely something getting used to because it takes away reading facial cues. You can't tell if, yeah, hey, that's something I want to hear more about or, or, you know, hey, that topic doesn't really move the needle much for me. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of understanding what the kid is looking for and then trying to present our school in the best possible light in, in towards those needs. Um, one of the big things that is, that is big for our college is our, our student to faculty ratio. We sit somewhere between 13 and 15 to one student to faculty. Um, and we have about 1,200, 1,400 kids on campus. So, um, and that fluctuates, you know, kind of year to year, just depending on our graduate numbers and our incoming classes. Um, but, you know, it, and it is 53% student athlete. So, you know, that's kind of, kind of students that are coming to our school and most of them are, are above that, that 3.0 GPA, pretty good test scores. Um, you know, and so you just got to know a little bit more about what the kid's looking for. So I've got, you know, I'm a decent athlete. I've got, uh, you know, I've got a good coach. I play lacrosse, you know, maybe half the year, something like that. What do I need to do currently? Let's say I'm a sophomore. I'm 15, 16 years old. I'm playing in the spring and I'm saying, Hey, I'd really like to explore this further. I, like, I think I'd like to play lacrosse in college. What's your, what's your advice for that kid? That they're, they don't have NCAA siblings. They don't have 
uh, parents that went to college for sports, they're just finding their way. Like, what is your advice to that kid of what to start doing immediately? Let's say that day in the spring, just got done with practice and he needs to write a list on his whiteboard of, of what I need to do to play some level of college lacrosse. What, what's your advice to that kid? Yeah. I mean, number one would be, um, you know, definitely get involved in a club program, not necessarily because, you know, you know, a lot of club programs will promote, Hey, we, we build D one athletes, all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. Um, just getting out on the summer circuit is very hard um, for, for especially D two and D three programs, just because they aren't as, you know, you're not, you don't have as much money as those D one programs um, that that's where we're going to be to, to take a look at you and see you play. Um, you know, there's a lot of different homes in, in, college lacrosse you can play mcla you know much like we we see a lot on the west coast you you played mcla lacrosse at oregon uh, my my younger brother played mcla at oregon state you know they, uh, you guys have great experiences with that um, there's also naia um, which is you know kind of more small college athletics um, there's some good teams there and then you move on to the ncaa d2 1 d3 all that kind of stuff um, but so don't limit yourself at a level if you want to play college lacrosse, playing college lacrosse is, is cool. Um, but, you know, get involved in the club program. Get where we are going to be so we can see you. Um, the other thing is keep you have to keep building those skills. You know, if you're only playing in the spring and the summer, um, it's fine to play another sport. I, I definitely encourage you to play another sport uh, just because there's so many extra benefits from that. Um, but, you know, definitely keep that stick in your hand during those off seasons as well. You know, get out there and play wall ball two or three times a week. Go out there and shoot on your own or, or do some footwork drills, um, that kind of thing. And and obviously, I think one of the biggest um, things that a, a, a high school athlete can do that wants to play at the next level is get in the weight room. Um, getting in a weight room class at school, getting get, being able to go to the gym on your own at, at a Planet Fitness, an LA Fitness, one of those type gyms um, can only help you. You know, that, the biggest jump that I see um, in college is from freshman to sophomore year. And, and that's generally because now they are in a college level weight program um, for, for a year. Uh, the biggest one of the biggest transformations I really see is uh, when they come back from um, the, the sophomore to junior year summer and they do the weight program there. And then the other one is those first six to eight weeks that they're on campus and we, we live four days a week. Um, and then all of a sudden it's Halloween and, and you look at a freshman and you're like, Hey, you didn't look like that when you showed up, like you've done a lot of work. So those are generally the two big times that we see that transformation, um, especially in the weight room. And if you get that started at 15, 16, instead of, you know, in your, in your twenties, you know, you're going to already be at that level by the time you get to college and you're just going to keep on going. And I want to I want to double uh, double down on what Ryan said before he started talking specifically about lacrosse is opportunities at the Division three level are academic scholarships. Correct. So for anybody out there listening, they're like, "Oh, coach, coach just wants me to hit the wall and uh, go to some tournaments and this and that." No. No, coach wants you to have the highest GPA possible to give yourself as many options as possible for as much money as possible so that it's economically feasible for you to go wherever you would like to. Whatever's a great fit, you don't have to say, no, I can't afford it. You just yeah. have so much more money available from these schools to go play. So Correct. I mean, the one cool thing is no matter if you're a student athlete at Westminster or not, 99% uh, of our students receive financial aid. 
um, which, which is awesome. You know, we definitely work our best here to, to try and make sure that they are, uh, it's as feasible for every student as possible that wants to attend Westminster. Um, and, and we are a private school, so we are able to kind of help out there a little bit. Um, you know, it, it is a, it, the, uh, full price is listed at about 48,000, including room and board for tuition per year. Um, you know, the, the school average is, is not anywhere near $48,000 a year. Um, and, and then obviously that, that comes in with that academic scholarship. We have some grants that are available um, and, and some other things. That obviously that FAFSA form, um, if any of you have ever put a kid in college or gone through, remember going through college recently yourself, um, that FAFSA form is always uh, real fun to fill out. Um, but, you know, it, 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 uh, it helps in the long run for sure. Ryan, we're in this crazy freaking time right now, buddy. We are in we are in just an interesting time. Whether you believe of the severity of the COVID pandemic, uh, if you think it's a hoax, if you think it's this or that, it doesn't even matter to this conversation. It's derailed things. It's changed things. So you're telling kids to go to the Planet Fitness, it's closed. You're telling people to send you film, they have none. You're yeah. telling kids to go to summer tournaments. There are none. You know what I mean? You're in this crazy period of time. What are you and Coach Brown doing in this time period to retain players that are like, uh, should I go home? Uh, and, and how do you bring new players? How does campus um, things going? Are you doing virtual tours? Like this, this has got to be crazy for you guys. It was uh, definitely not a normal semester. I can tell you that. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to rewind real fast just to kind of the beginning of COVID. Um, you know, we were on spring break. We, we had played seven games, getting ready to play game eight. We'd gone through most of our non-conference schedule. Um, we were in downtown Chicago. I, I, I'm probably going to remember the day for the rest of my life at this point. Um, you know, I was sitting at a, at a restaurant with, with Coach Brown and our, our athletic trainer, Misty Motter. Um, and it was the three of us sitting there and we were watching ESPN. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, Duke said Duke basketball said they weren't going to play March Madness. And five minutes later, March Madness was canceled. And then 10 minutes later, you know, all all fall and winter championships were canceled. And then all spring championships were canceled. Meanwhile, I have 40, you know, about 40 guys just in our in our on our roster just running around downtown Chicago, you know, third largest city in the world or in the United States. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, nobody has a mask on. So, you know, that was just, uh, you know, a little bit crazy there. Um, but you know, it was, it was interesting. Got them all back on the bus safely. We made it home. We didn't have an outbreak or anything, which was good. And, uh, at the time we thought we were coming back for, for two weeks and we were going home for two weeks. We were going to come back, play our conference schedule and everything was going to be fine. So that, that's kind of the guidance we'd been receiving from the conference at the time. Obviously, that changed. We the season was canceled, all that, um, and then we, you know, went into the the summer break. Um, so we did some Zoom meetings with our guys there, talked about film, talked about some stuff there. Um, you know, just kind of stayed in touch with our current guys, made sure. Um, the nice thing was all of our seniors that were graduating already had jobs at that point, so we weren't really concerned about them, um, which, which helped us out. Um, but you know, the current guys on the roster, we were, you know, hey, touching base with them. It's gonna, you know, just checking in making sure they got all their virtual classes done, that kind of thing. Um, but in terms of recruiting, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, so we definitely, um, you know, had to make some changes. Um, there weren't as many recruiting tournaments this summer. There were still some. Um, we did make it out to, to those, you know, late in the summer, July, August. 
Um, and it did some fall recruiting this year as well for, for the tournaments that did happen. Um, but in terms of we weren't getting, obviously, the, the right number of kids in our total database. So it was much smaller than in years past. Um, so what we did is we went online and started going. There's a, two great websites that come to mind right away, ncsa.com. Um, and that's for more than just lacrosse. It's, it's next college student athlete. Um, so I definitely get involved with that. If you're looking to play in college, it doesn't matter the sport. Um, so we got we were able to review a lot of film online, check out transcripts through that program. Um, and then the other one is field level. So it's it's very easy. It's it's easy for us to do. It's free. Um, kids can post film from maybe their high school season or another sport. So you just kind of see where they're at athletically and, and include their transcripts and they have their contact information there. So a lot of we've done that a lot, too. Um but, you know, that, that's kind of been the big thing. And, and then once we got up back on campus um, this fall, we did virtual tours as well. But we also did some in-person ones. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of flexible. The nice thing about Westminster um, is that we are a little bit secluded out in a, in a rural area. Um, we're not out in, the, out in the middle of nowhere by any means. But, um, you know, we're 45 minutes north of Pittsburgh and about 25, 30 minutes um, east of, of Youngstown, Ohio. Um, so both, you know, over 200,000 people in both those cities. So uh, definitely had not, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, but in a, a mile and a half bubble around campus, we, we felt pretty confident. So we had students back. Um, everybody was wearing a mask. They could only take them off in their dorms. Um, but so we did virtual visits and, and recruiting visits that way. Um, so it was definitely different. Um, but we did, you know, we just make it work and, and you keep on chugging, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something that, you know, all I think of is is adaptability, right? Like the ability to think outside the box and not be so rigid. I, I haven't had to work this hard to get simple things done in a long time. And it makes me really grateful for the how easy it used to be. And I thought, oh, that's so freaking hard. It's so hard to get this organized <laughs> and that organized, you know, trying to find fields last couple of weeks. I haven't had 150 people tell me no in my life. And it was kind of good for me to just keep on going and keep on going and, and trying to figure out, you know, what's the best, you know, what's the best way to, to approach this and stopping and sitting down and getting the old piece of paper out and being like, how do we look at this from 15 different angles that we've never had to do? And so many of these businesses are having to do it. You're having to do it. So, um, you know, I applaud you for, for finding ways, right? Just finding, you've got to find a way. There, there's no excuse like, no, we can't recruit anymore. No, you're just going to have to be better at what you do. You're going to have to be flexible. You're going to have to work harder. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it definitely added a lot more work that on that end. You know, back in back in pre-COVID days, I was able to get on the phone. I could text a text a recruit that had been, you know, pretty interested in us, and, and be like, "Hey, can you come on a visit on this day?" And now, you know, I have to go on this calendar. We're trying to keep, you know, only a certain amount of time slots per day. Um, you know, and they have all these different protocols up in the admissions house that they have to follow for help. You know, keep everybody safe. And you know, it, it definitely added a lot more to it. Um, but so those virtual visits became, we did some virtual open houses as a school. Um, I, I know our football team, we, they've really kicked off their recruiting cycle here this winter. Um, they've been doing a bunch of virtual visits as well. Just every Saturday, they, they have an admissions counselor there and they're just getting as many kids in the zoom as possible, um, right now too. So, you know, they're going through their process as well, but it's definitely been different for sure. One thing that I want to talk to you about and touch on is what's, 
I'm a lacrosse player. I'm trying to go to Westminster and I'm starting to talk to you. Mm -hmm. What automatically makes you throw up a red flag and start saying, Hey, this kid probably is not the best fit for our program because I I'm hearing these red flags or I'm seeing these red flags, or can you talk a little bit about what are some, some things you want to stay away from? I mean, some of it, you grow up that way, or a part of it is your personality, but what does a coach think about, you know, what are some specific no-nos where you're just like, no, I, I can't hang out with this guy for four years. Like, I, I can't be a part of this for four years. It's going to be a detriment to our team. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, one, one big thing is I don't want – I want to be reaching out to you. I don't want to be going through your, your parents or anything like that. Um, don't get me wrong. I want your parents to be involved in the process, you know, because ultimately they're going to probably be helping you out you know, financially through college, all that kind of stuff. You want them to feel comfortable in the process. But if I have never talked to you in, in person or on the phone, or I've never had a text communication with you and everything goes through your parents, that's one of those things that in my head, it's like, does the kid really want to play college lacrosse? Is this something that's really going to be helpful towards us? Um, but generally in phone conversations, there's not a whole lot of straight red flags where, you know, it's a, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not interested in, in bringing the kid to campus for a visit. The in-person visit is really kind of where those red flags get seen. Um, in the past, one of our big tests is maybe not test, but one of the big parts of the process is the overnight. So obviously we have not been able to do the overnight visit um, with, with kids currently in the, in the 2021 class. Um, but that's where they get on campus. They spend a, a Friday or a Saturday night um, in the dorms with one of our freshmen. And, and they kind of get to know the guys on the team that will be there while they're there, um, it, while they would be enrolled. Um, so that's always a big one. You know, there, there's been some, some people in the past where after a visit, our guys look at us and they say, hey, coach, I, I don't know about that guy. Or, or on the flip side, we get, hey, coach, like he was cool. We liked him a lot. You know, like, you know, and, and that tells us a lot, too, because, um, you know, Coach Brown and I like to say it's not really it's our team, including the players. We want them to be bought in and involved in that. We want them to feel comfortable with their culture. Um, but, you know, it's it's not um, something that Coach Brown and I are, are, you know, hard and set on yet. Hey, well, we didn't like that kids. So we don't talk to them anymore. You know, we, we want everybody to be involved in the process. Uh, but, you know, and, and sometimes there's, it comes down to it and there's a kid that you really like and, and he just finds a better fit elsewhere. Um, you know, sometimes they tell us no, too. Um, so, you know, it, it's not always sunshine and rainbows, um, but it also definitely feels good when you, you talk to a kid and it's like, hey, coach, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I, I want to be a part of this. Um, so, you know, definitely setting up your culture towards that um, is something that we do as well. Yeah, I just I remember my time going back when I was playing in college and that was the difference maker. It was our team with the coaching staff and we were inseparable. You know, we couldn't you couldn't hang out with us like individually on a Friday or Saturday night. It was we would go everywhere, 30 to 40 people. 30 to yeah. 40 of us hang out at all times. And it didn't matter if we were going out to a movie or going to a party or doing whatever. We all wanted to be together. And we wanted to, we wanted, we, we didn't care. We were either hanging out on the field or we were hanging out in somebody's house or playing ping pong or whatever. 
You know, we just wanted to, to do that. And so I think that's extremely important. And I hope what the listeners, those of you that are, are either entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs are hearing from Ryan is exactly the same way you would want to run your company. How crazy would it be if your hiring process for your company included an overnight? <laughs> How crazy would that be? You show up, let's say to Amazon, for example, here's the team you're working with, blah, blah, blah. You're staying at this person's house tonight. I, and you I, really try to figure out and believe in the culture. But I think a lot of hiring practices really do that. And they try to include the team and they try to have some accountability personally, but also accountability to the team and the larger goal. Yeah, I, I definitely think a more realistic uh, scenario there, at least in terms of entrepreneurs or hiring a new person is having them go through a shift with the team. Um, you know, that'd probably be considered their overnight is going through a full eight hour, 12 hour, whatever the shift is um, with the team they would be a part of. Um, so that's definitely something that I, I think is comparable. Um, especially when you're talking to an HR manager or, or something like that. Um, but I agree, you definitely hit the nail on the head. That'd be kind of crazy if they were, uh, you know, stayed at home with the boss. I just, I just like to think of of how can we. There's so many great systems in the recruiting process that um, you know, and there's been several high-level coaches that have written books that really talk to businesses and business owners and entrepreneurs and and folks that just want to be great in their lives and in their business. They want to feel like they're making an impact, and I think we can learn so much from you, from other coaches of what does culture mean? How do you create culture? How do you sell? How do you get new employees? What are some red flags of hiring new employees? Everything we're talking about directly translates into the working world. So uh, it's been awesome. The last thing that I want to touch on, and I'm going to rewind back to something we were talking about in the sales and recruiting process, is you said two things. And I think those two things is, to me, two of the most important parts of this conversation because we've really spoken a lot about recruiting and sales and picking up the phone and that type of thing is being prepared, one, so preparation, you're studying, you're studying the family, you're studying where they're from, you're trying to get every piece of data you possibly can on that family. So if it comes out up that the dog is a, the, the dog, the dad is a hunter, like if it comes up, you're already ready and you're like, oh yeah, you already saw that they were hunting elk, for example. You start talking elk. Do you know anything about elk? Nope, doesn't matter. It's a lot of yuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get you. That's awesome. That meat's delicious. It's, you know, it's whatever it is. So preparing yourself for those conversations is huge. And then too, Ryan, you talked about transparency. I'm not, I'm not gonna bullshit you. I'm not going to blow smoke up your butt. Like I'm not, this isn't smoke and mirrors. This is, we operate in a way at Westminster where we're true to ourselves. We are leaders. We will, we will make sure it's a great fit for both of us. This isn't selling. This is both sides need to come together to create the best environment, chemistry, sports team, university chemistry as well like exactly your your dean doesn't want kids on campus that are not good kids for the for the campus right it's a small school yeah very tight-knit community 
um, you know, I think one of the cool things is at Westminster, it feels like everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction, you know, from the students to the faculty to the athletic staff um, and on up to our president, uh, Dr. Richardson. She does a great job of, of kind of fostering that environment on campus. Um, we, we've run into her occasionally during a campus tour of a potential recruit and, and her and our athletic director and uh, Jim Daffler um, are always, you know, happy to be accessible. They say hello, ask them how their day is, all that kind of stuff as well. So I definitely um, think that, that that helps as well. Just having them be involved, even accidentally, um, is a great way for them to just kind of show the culture here as well. Um, but, you know, it, it, we have as a D3 school, we are, you know, obviously smaller campus, limited, more, more limited resources. Um, not, not to say that we don't have any, uh, we just got a three new athletic fields built, um, this summer, fall. So we have a new, new soccer lacrosse complex. We have a new softball field and, and a new baseball field, um, all on campus. Nice. So, um, you know, definitely have a good culture there, but, and, and it's not all about winning. It's more about taking care of the student. Um, and, and I think that's just something that at every level that we, we kind of work to, to hit. You know, sometimes, sometimes you miss a little bit, but if you do miss, you know, you're still, you know, your heart was in the right place. You were trying to do the right thing. And uh, I think everybody kind of respects that as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today, Ryan. We bounced all around today on the Against All Average podcast. We talked about being a good person. We talked about being transparent. We talked about preparation. We talked about evaluating yourself by recording your sales calls or video yourself if you're still an avid marathoner at the age of 78. I don't know where you're at. We talked about creating a culture and maintaining a culture. All of these circle back and can be helpful in your life as an everyday person, an entrepreneur, or just somebody that is striving to be against all average. Ryan, I've got one more question for you and I'm trying to ask it to each and every guest. What makes you against all average? Um, I, I just think everybody can, can continue to work and, and strive to, to do something better than where they started. Um, don't get me wrong, my family gave me a great starting point, um, but I think everybody always wants a little bit more for, for them and their future selves as well. Um, you know, if you end up having family or, or kids or anything like that, you always want to kind of be able to provide a little bit better than you had. Um, so that's kind of something that I take into account wherever I go, wherever I work, coach, et cetera, is just kind of try and leave it better than you found it. Um, so that's a big thing of mine. That's probably one of my core tenets uh, um, is just trying to improve upon whatever, whatever I'm doing at the time. So coaching or, or when I was working at Flash Timing or going through grad school or, um, you know, finishing up my undergrad everything like that. I'm just trying to leave it a little bit better than I found it and, and try and leave a positive impact. I love that. Leave it better than you found it. In order to grow the podcast, we need your help. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and tell a friend about every episode you find value in. If you didn't find value in this episode, you do nothing. If you enjoyed this conversation and you want other folks to hear it, please share it. All you have to do is share it on Facebook, copy and paste a little link, do a little shout out. That goes a long way for the Against All Average podcast. You can also find Against All Average on all your favorite social media platforms. And you can find me on Instagram as my number one place that I interact at Kyle Tolzman. Another big shout out to this episode's sponsor, Fair and Events. And with that, we thank you for listening to the Against All Average podcast. 
with Ryan Stowe. We'll see you next time.